morning, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 31. You may turn there in your Bibles. It is also printed in our worship folder this morning. Psalm 31. We'll be reading all the verses of this chapter. Psalm 31, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. You are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of man. You store them in your shelter from strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. 
Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Also printed in your worship folder, if you go to the next page, is Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. This morning I will read for you question and answers 27 and 28. Question 27, what do you understand by the providence of God? And the answer given, providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, grain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Question 28, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Well, we have been talking about the fact that God, God is our Father. We're talking about God's fatherhood and the comfort that that is to us. I find this to be an incredibly timely topic. We have a God who cares for us, his people, a God who cares for us, his children. This morning, we turn our attention to the doctrine of God's providence. And providence is a theological topic. If you were to look up providence in a uh, systematic theology textbook, you would find it under the heading of theology proper. Providence is a doctrine that we hold to. But providence is much more than just theology. There is a warmth. There is a sense of encouragement and assurance as we consider the providence of God. Remember, the Catechism is concerned not only to teach proper doctrine, but it is concerned about our comfort. How can we have assurance? How can we have comfort in this life? And that comes through as we talk about the doctrine of God's providence this morning. Psalm 31 is one of those texts that gives us a beautiful picture of that providence of God in all circumstances. God's care for us when things are going well. God's care when things are not going well. In all of these, we have the comfort of a God of providence. To appreciate that comfort, we have to properly understand uh, the nature of providence. We're going to do that first of all by talking about what providence is not. There's a lot of confusion about what providence is and what it is not. Some suggest that, that providence is simply God's 
foreknowledge. The fact that we have a God who knows everything that is going to happen. And they confuse God's foreknowledge with the doctrine of God's providence. And I would suggest simply having a God who has foreknowledge, although as wonderful as that may be, simply is insufficient as an understanding of providence and the comfort that comes from it. God, God is more, and his providence is more than his God knowing what's going to happen. I suppose if that were the case, I could say in a certain sense, uh, I have foreknowledge, I have providence. I know that after the worship service this morning, I'm going to go home, I'm going to uh, have some lunch, probably uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, the tomato from Nelson Wiersma. Uh, I'll take a nap later this afternoon, and I'll come back to worship tonight. I, I know that's going to happen. People say, well, you don't know that for sure. You don't know that. God's foreknowledge is a perfect foreknowledge. Yes, that's true. God's foreknowledge is perfect. But if, if God only knows what's going to happen, even if he knows perfectly, that is not yet the doctrine of providence. And simply having a God who knows what's going to happen, but is unable to do anything about it, does not give us comfort. No, providence is more than simply the foreknowledge of God. Some people confuse providence with God himself. They will use words like uh, karma. There's a certain karma. There's a certain cosmic order. There is balance in the universe. That if a number of bad things happen to me, well, certainly it's time for a number of good things to happen to me. And they refer to this as fate or chance or whatever as if it is a god. There is a balance in the universe. And all things eventually just work out if you just stick with it long enough. Karma. Balance, cosmic order, all of these are impersonal concepts. And you can have no relationship with an impersonal concept. And with no relationship, there is no comfort there. No providence is not God himself, a sense of cosmic order or universal balance. Of course, some would say, there's no sense of balance at all. There is no providence. Everything is completely random. It all happens by chance. I don't have to tell you, that is completely devoid of comfort. If the unfolding of our life is completely random, if there is no plan, we have no comfort and we have no hope. Providence is not simply God's foreknowledge, it is not a universal order, and there is such a thing as providence, which gives us comfort. Our confession spells that out. What do you understand by the providence of God? Our confession says providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God. Providence is a power of God. It is an expression of his almighty power. By which God fundamentally does two things. He upholds all things 
and he rules all things. Providence is the power of God, the expression of his power by which he upholds all things and by which he rules all things. Look at verse 15. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. Kids, if you want a very simple understanding of what God's providence is, I have one for you. Kids, this is God's providence. God holds you in his hand. If you want a very simple understanding, God holds you in his hand. So when you go home today, after church, and mom and dad say, what did Reverend Niemeyer talk about this morning? You do this, okay? God holds you in his hand. That's God's providence. God upholds all things, our confession says. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures. God upholds the heavens. God upholds the starry house. When you go out at night and look up at the stars and you see the, the expanse, when you see the immenseness of the sky, God is holding that. It's held in his hands. I'm always boggled by, by the expanse of the sky and the expanse of the universe. Now, I'm not an astronomer, but those who are tell me. They tell me that there are stars that are so far away that they may have burned out years ago. But that light is still traveling to earth, and we won't recognize it as burnt out for years from now. That's the expanse. That's the greatness, the grandeur, the glory of the heavens. And God holds that expanse in his hand. The power of a providential God. He upholds the heavens. He upholds the earth. Kids, he upholds your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters. He upholds your dog and your cat and your goldfish. God upholds all things. And this God upholds you. Heaven and earth and all creatures held in the hands of God. A God powerful enough to do that is a God in whom we can take comfort. He upholds all things. And our confession says, and he rules them. God rules all things. God directs what will take place. Now I think um, our language sometimes fails to recognize that. We fail to communicate that God is ruling and directing all things by the way that we talk. Uh, we say, 
uh, this past week, it was hot. It was very hot. We say, it is sunny out this morning. Maybe later in the year we'll say, it rains. When you're in the Midwest, it snows. That's not the way the psalmist talks about the creation he sees around him. I would encourage you later this afternoon to turn to Psalm 104. We sang that psalm at the beginning of our service today. This is how the psalmist describes what he sees in the world around him. He says in verse 13, From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. He doesn't say it rains. You water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You caused the grass to grow. That's the psalmist's language. Not just the lawn is growing. You caused the grass to grow, recognizing God's direction in these things. Later in the psalm, verse 27, talking about the creatures, all these look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Not simply things happen, it's a good year, it's a bad year. God is active. God is providing, or God is withholding. All of this recognizing God is ruling and directing what is coming to pass. It's not simply the forces of nature. It is God's force in nature that we recognize. God rules these things so that leaf and blade, rain and drought, Fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. God is in control, ruling and directing all things. And I always find it so interesting that the confession here gives us these pairs of very normal regular, everyday things. God is not only uh, involved in the glorious and the great and the grand, but he's involved in these regular, everyday, ordinary things. Leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and Poverty. God is involved in the regular, everyday part of our life. And we have to learn to see that. No part of our life, no part of our existence is outside of His sight and outside of His fatherly care as He leads and guides and directs us. All of these things come from His fatherly hand, our confession reminds us. He is a God of providence. He upholds all things and he rules all things. And knowing this, knowing this God is where we find our comfort. This God holds us in his hand. Our confession, as I said, concerned about the comfort of those who would read. 
How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? What comfort do we get from God's providence? Three things. First, we can be patient when things go against us. Patience in adversity. Look at our psalm at the beginning, uh, verse 1 and 2. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. The psalmist is in distress. He's in harm's way. Yet he turns to God and declares his trust in him. Going on, verse 3. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you will lead and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. You are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Into your hand, into your providential, caring, loving hand I commit myself, for you watch over me. Patience in adversity. We recognize these words from verse 5. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, took these very words on his lips when he was facing the great adversary, when he was doing battle with Satan himself, when he was on the cross. The last words he says on this earth, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Trusting in God, his Father, even in the throes of death, to provide and to care for him. Patience in adversity. Patience does not necessarily mean passivity, or we accept what happens stoically. The psalmist calls out to God when the adversary comes against him. Look at verse 9. Be gracious, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, and my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. The psalmist doesn't stoically say, well, I guess this is God's will for my life. He calls out. My eyes are sore from the tears that I have cried, O God. I'm I, I, oppressed by the enemy. He goes on, verse 12. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But, he says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Patience in adversity. Even with everything coming against David the psalmist, all these things, the enemy plotting to take his life, but, he says, I trust in you. You are my God. That's the comfort we receive from a God of providence. A God who upholds all things and a God who rules all things. When the trials of life come our way, relationship trials, physical trials, societal trials, 
when we are tried by the circumstances around us, we say, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, but Lord God, I trust in you. I say you are my God. And in that, we are comforted. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens outside of the perfect will of our Father, the God of providence. We can be patient in adversity. Our confession says we can be thankful, we can be thankful when things go well. And that's such a good reminder. Because in adversity, we remember to call out to God. Don't forget that. But when everything's going well, it's so easy to forget. This, too, is a gift of God's providence. Things are going well for me right now. And that's because God is upholding and God is ruling all things. Look at verse 7. He says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul, you've not delivered me to the hand of the enemy, but you have set my feet in a broad place. You've rescued me. You've taken me out. And so, Lord God, I will be thankful to you. I recognize this was not a coincidence, but it was your providential hand rescuing me from the enemy. I will be thankful. And that thankfulness is more than just a, a warm feeling in our heart. That thankfulness then directs our living. That we live in a way that shows God we are thankful for what He has done. We, in every day, in every part of our life, we show Him our thanksgiving. We can be thankful when things go well. And then finally, thirdly, the benefit of God's providence. And for the future. We can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from His love. We can have confidence for the future. What does the psalmist say, verse 19? Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. The abundance which you have stored up for us. We can have confidence for the future that God will continue to uphold, that God will continue to rule and guide. That confidence may come in terms of the physical blessings God gives to us. It will certainly come in terms of the spiritual blessings knowing that we have a God and Father who cares for us, who loves us, and who has stored up abundant goodness for us, His children. Confidence in His care. Our confession makes reference to nothing can separate us from His love. Of course, referring to Romans chapter 8, one of, that, one of the most probably favorite texts of many in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I am sure, I am sure God will continue to show love to his children because of the work of Jesus Christ. He will be their father for Christ's sake. Our psalm ends with these words, 20, verse 23. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and take heart, take, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This comfort, this blessing of knowing a God who is upholding and ruling, this becomes a comfort for those who know that God. For those who still talk about karma and universal balance, for those who say everything is random, there is no comfort, there is no hope. It is only found in knowing the God of providence. It is only found in knowing him as your father for the sake of Christ. And so God calls out to you once again this morning, embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you are living in fear, if you are living in anxiety, if you are afraid of what the next day holds, God this morning calls you to embrace Christ and to know the comfort, the comfort of having a God who is Father, a God who is Father and a God providence. That's our hope. Without it, no comfort. But with that assurance, we can be patient in adversity. We can be thankful when things go well. And we have every good confidence for the future. Let's join together in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank you, we praise you for revealing yourself as our Father in heaven. What a joy that is to know. What a comfort that is to know. That you are the God of providence. Lord God, if we are feeling overwhelmed by what is going on around us, give us patience in adversity, knowing that you uphold and rule all things. Lord, if you've brought us into the green pastures now, make us thankful for the blessings you've given, knowing you uphold and rule all things. And Lord God, if we are fearful about what the future may hold, give us great confidence for you uphold and rule all things, our faithful God and Father. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.